0: Blog Talk Radio From very snowy Portland, Maine home base of Lies in the Balance. This is Dr. Ross Green here. Welcome to another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. You know, um, no complaints here in February, but um, they had revised the snow estimates way downward for Portland um, as late as Saturday night, and then uh, came Sunday And it just did not stop snowing. So we got 8 to 12 inches when we were not supposed to get 8 to 12 inches, but it is very beautiful here, very white. It was a thick snow, so it stuck to everything. And it's a white paradise here in Portland, Maine, here on February twenty fifth, two 2013. But you did not tune in to get a weather report. You tuned in so that lives in the Balance could help you understand and help your behaviorally challenging kid even better. And uh, today is a great day to call in. We have one caller holding already. We're going to go straight to him or her as soon as I get through with this little introductory stuff. But I also always want to give you the call-in number because I often forget. It's 347-994-2981. And by the way... If you want a reminder that this uh, program is about to air, I I, um, tweet, I'm on Twitter, but I only tweet one thing, uh, these radio programs. So I tweet when the Parenting Your Challenging Child program is about to begin, and I tweet when the Helping Behaviorally Challenging Students program is about to begin, and I tweet when Issues in Children's Mental Health is about to air, which that's once a month, That's airing next week, Uh, and otherwise I don't tweet. So if you want to be unencumbered by tweets that are of little relevance and encumbered only by tweets about when this program is going to begin, go to the radio program section of the Lives in the Balance website and um, sign up to get tweeted, my concession to the modern world. Actually, this whole program's a concession to the modern world. Um, who would have thunk we could do a web-based radio program and have so many people listen in? And here's the really cool part: um, I have been getting a ton of email lately, and I'm really glad that people are coming to see this program as and Lives in the Balance as a resource for them. And I think that here's somebody now who, having held for four minutes and three seconds, who um, Well, let's see what's going on with our caller, and then we will turn to the email. Caller, how are you today?
1: Good morning. I'm doing well.
0: Good. Just a quick reminder before you start, no names or other identifying information. What is on your mind today?
1: Well, I have two comments to make and then a question. Go ahead. I have a 10-year-old son that is a type A child living in a type A, sorry, a plan A child living in a plan A world. This is a very black and white child. Um, And when he does not get his plan A way, he has now moved from building through showing that he's getting aggressive to just going zero to 60 into physical aggression. Um, He does not react well to plan A from anyone around him so, okay. so uh,
0: before you go on, you, I was a little yeah. confused there, because it sounds like he's very black and white and um, becomes rigid when he wants things to be a certain way, and you've discovered that imposing your will and being inflexible with somebody who is inflexible um, isn't working out so well for you, yes?
1: Right, yes.
0: Good. Got it, okay.
1: Yes, <laughs> so the... I was working this morning with my husband and how to describe him best in in the fewest words. So that's, I think you have a a perfect picture now of our 10-year-old. My second comment is um, when I first started trying Plan B approach back in November, which was very successful, um, and it was so successful that I took my hands off the wheel around mid-December, and now I'm kind of paying the price for it and and having to remind myself, no, this is not something I can just put into a neutral position. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the alterations that I did with Plan B was during Step 2, I have added um, a step for my child to empathize with us as to what we have said is the problem when we lay out the problem in step 2 of plan b i now ask for my child to repeat back what he heard us say
0: i bet you I started, have a good reason for doing that
1: yes i we started noticing that he doesn't always hear what we say mm-hmm. his mind is already on some other thought and and uh he so he doesn't always understand or listen as intently as we think he is listening and uh, that has really helped for us to get to a solution together. To just know but, that I have heard him, we have heard him, and that he has heard us. And then I like the idea on. very
0: much. Now yeah. I will say, some kids, and, and well, here's here's why I like the idea. Number one, it's working. Yes. He, um, and you try to respond to something that your son was having difficulty with in, the, in Plan B, and um, seems to be working. That's fantastic. The only thing I would say is I've seen that not work as well. So I wouldn't – and so, number one, I'm ecstatic that it's working for your son. Number two, um, there are kids who don't take well to being asked to repeat the parent's concern. In which case, if the parents are concerned that the kid isn't remembering or isn't getting what the parent's concern is, the parents might need to solve that one collaboratively and find out if there's another way to go about doing it. Um, I'm glad it's working for you.
1: Thank you. We are, too.
0: Good. Now, just um, we've one actually, question. I
1: came, well, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, go. I came to that realization when, I was having my son's younger brother, who is two years younger, um, work at some Plan B conversations when they were headed into a potentially explosive situation with a game like a video game, which, um, as you'll find out here in a second, that's one of his triggers, his competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and little brother is very, very good at games, and um, it has caused a lot of problems in the past. And so when I fit the two of them down and I mediate the plan B conversation between the two of them uh, proactively prior to them playing a game, I started asking for them to ask of each other, what did you hear me say? Um, and oh, that's hmm. how that came about. It worked so well when the two children were doing it that I thought, <laughs> well, I have to do this when I do it.
0: <laughs> that's great. So, yeah,
1: that really um, worked out I- well.
0: I'm in the midst of revising uh, The Explosive Child, um, and we'll try to include that as a potential suggestion for people. So I'm now doubly appreciative. I do have a question for you. Are you ready?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, How come you took your hands off the wheel?
1: I don't know. I could (laughs) not pick myself. (laughs) You know, this is when I first came across The Explosive Child, it was... Um, Right after my son was suspended for the first time for hitting his para at school. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was out of the country when this happened. I was um, away from home and out of the country. And when I came back, the explosive child had come into the queue for my online uh, state library and I started reading it. And it was so straightforward um, and so simple in a way, um, simply laid out. Uh, and when I started using it, I just couldn't believe that I hadn't come up with this myself at some point because it was so immediate the response, the positive response. Good. Um, and I just, I, I think I became overconfident with the fact that he really got it. Um, and by January, I was on to other things and didn't even notice that I reverted back to Plan A and didn't even notice that he was starting to get frustrated again, and uh, and then last week, boom, he hit the para again and was suspended again, and it was just, it brought right back to the front, no, you know, not only do I need to keep my hands on this wheel, but I must insist that my husband sit down and we daily and weekly work on this as a family and that we sit down with his uh, I, IEP team and incorporate this plan into the IEP. So I am recommitted. Good for you. And
0: Good for you. will
1: not remove my hands off the wheel anymore. <laughs>
0: well, and I'm thinking, you know, these 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 programs get titled, and I think we're going to call this one Don't Take Your Hands Off the Wheel.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so that I, sounds I appreciate great. your calling, and I appreciate your suggestions, and I, I – um, Hope things continue to go well. It sounds like you're on a Plan B roll, and um, now you know that there's really no reason to take your hands off the wheel.
1: Well, I would love to ask a question. I know I've already taken a lot of time. No, go
0: ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Can I ask a quick question?
0: Yep. Not do so have quick. I'm sure. Not person holding and um, people who I promised I would answer their emails today. We'll see if that actually okay. happens. But go ahead. Take your time.
1: Okay. Um, my child, when he feels that he's not in control includes scenarios such as accidents, either accidents where somebody gets hurt around him or he gets hurt or something gets broken accidentally, competitions, games, um, rivalries at school to see which child is doing better in TE, and, of course, authority, when an authority figure says, you have to do this and he doesn't want to. These are the situations where his main lagging skill and what my husband and I have figured out with the ALSEP is that it's difficulty managing emotional response to frustration as to think rationally okay that's what that's the lagging skill that we have identified
0: as a biggie I'm sorry as a big one
1: as a big one and so we have started with the unsolved problem of accepting authority for him
0: got it here's the only problem Yes. It's too vague.
1: Right. Well, we went one step further Yeah. Um, and said when the teacher tells you, you have to ah, do good. something, and you still, don't want to do it. Still too vague, believe it or not. Really?
0: Yeah, okay. see, the, the reason his teacher is telling him to do it is because he's not doing it. And according to this way of thinking, if he could do it, he would do it. If he's right. not doing it, it must be because he doesn't have the skills to do it, but we have to define what it is. If he okay. could do it, the teacher wouldn't be telling him to do it because he'd be doing it already.
1: Okay.
0: So the fact that the teacher is telling him to do something um, only tells us that we have an unsolved problem. But the fact that the teacher is telling him to do something is not the unsolved problem. It's whatever he's having difficulty doing that the teacher is finding need to tell him to do. Uh, At this point, it would be just
1: following instructions.
0: Which would still be too vague. Uh, uh, Ah, following instructions on a worksheet is Mm -hmm. more specific, right? Because here's why, just just to make sure everybody's on the same page here. If you – remember, the, uh, the empathy step begins with, I've noticed that. And ends with the the intro to the empathy step ends with what's up or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. If we are really specific about what the unsolved problem is, the kid will know what we're talking about, and you greatly increase the likelihood that you'll get a response.
1: Mm-hmm. But if
0: the unsolved problem is too vague, for example, I've noticed that you are having difficulty when the teacher tells you to do something what's up. Mm-hmm. Then what's going on in his head, if anything's going on in his head, and I don't know your son, lots of kids sort of blank out when uh there's a vague, unsolved problem that the adult is inquiring about and what yeah. you get is a fairly vaguely. rapid I don't know.
1: Yeah, he he said he just doesn't like it.
0: That yeah. was his
1: answer.
0: So he, he responded to vague with vague. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But but truth is, so one of the things I've been doing with the model since I originated it was fine-tuning it and one of the things I noticed along the way is that adults were getting a lot of vague responses from the kid or a lot of I don't knows or even kids who are falling apart so I went back to the drawing board and thought w- when are they falling apart or getting I don't know or getting vague responses and one of the things I noticed is that um, and this is only one possibility is that a lot of unsolved problems were too vague for the kid to know what we were actually talking about, in which case I don't know would be a perfectly um, reasonable response because he doesn't know what we're talking about, right? So I think that to tune that up a little bit, you'd want to be more specific about what it is that the teacher is asking him to do. And and you did make mention of that. She wants him to complete a worksheet, if I remember correctly. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yes. A worksheet in what?
1: let's say reading.
0: Good. Um that's pretty specific. So now here's how the empathy step the intro to the empathy step would sound. I've noticed that it's difficult for you to complete the worksheets in reading at school. What's up? Now he knows exactly what we're talking about. Now he you know he's still got some thinking to do but that's far preferable to i've noticed that you're having difficulty whenever the teacher tells you to do something what's up that's just there's a whole universe there and when we go with something more vague we greatly increase the likelihood that a kid either won't participate or that we'll get an i don't know better to be specific okay that makes yes. sense
1: yes we will we will become more and more specific as we do
0: this this week Crucial and I truth is the 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 things that you mentioned as unsolved problems, my main commentary on virtually every single one of them is too vague too vague they are global generalizations of a problem, but most of them wouldn't be specific enough for your son to know what it is exactly that you're trying to gather information about, okay good? Yes, sir. You'd want to make them more specific just like we just did.
1: Okay. Including like maybe going back to a scenario like when I've noticed that when mom stepped on your pop-up book and ripped it apart you got very frustrated. What's up?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that you want to go with unsolved problems that are fairly chronic
1: Mm -hmm.
0: rather than something that's a one-timer. Okay. So my bet is that you're not stepping on this book routinely. No. Um, you know what I'm saying? It sounds yeah. like he is getting upset routinely, but I think that you want to go with unsolved problems that he is routinely getting upset about, which is better than a one-timer. And I, I get it. It's his reaction that you're attuned to at the moment. He's getting upset. But better to start on things that he's getting upset about fairly routinely rather than random events that are one-timers. Okay. Now, the other thing I would say is I would only pick two or three things to work on at once. Otherwise, both he and you are going to get overwhelmed Yes. with too many. Okay. Yes. I think it's fantastic that you're doing it, though, and keep it up.
1: Well, I can't thank you enough for your availability.
0: You bet, and you you know where to call if you need to again.
1: I will. Thank you so much. Thanks for
0: calling in. You bet. Bye-bye. So now we know the name of this program before we um, have even finished it. Don't take your hands off the wheel. We have another caller um, from area code 317, and you're on the air. How are you today?
2: Good, thanks. How are you?
0: I am well. And just as I try to remember to do every time, no names or identifying information. Go ahead. What's on your mind today?
2: Hi. Um, I actually sent you an email. Yep. So I wanted to, you said you want to respond today. So I thought I'd yep. call in. We can
0: discuss that. Good. And give me a summary of, there were several people who were potentially going to call in today. Sure. Give me a summary of your email so I can find it, but we're going to need, and I can either read it or you can um, uh, give our listeners the gist of your situation and what it is that you want input on.
2: Right. Um, And my situation is extremely um, complex, but um, basically, uh, my child had um, been accused of um, something from another child. Um, ended up being suspended for ten days um over that incident um and I've since been home I had to actually um take her out of school. she's currently on homebound services because um her anxiety about school um prevents her from going and so this has been a, basically a two year ordeal um in trying to get help the school understand what her needs are um and they just have not um accommodated those needs I mean I think that if I had to put it in a nutshell looking at her IEP information I mean one of the things they they wrote as far as in her behavior intervention plan was that she's choosing not to use calming methods and accommodations and so it's been a a struggle trying to get them to understand what her needs are and um, having them help her succeed at school.
0: So let's get a little bit more specific, okay. I'm actually having trouble finding the email, and I'm not exactly sure why I'm usually pretty good about this, but your daughter was accused by another child of doing something at school Yeah, it was
2: actually a, it was a bus incident um that a she was
0: yeah,
2: and we had found out later that it actually the incident hadn't happened um but she still they still kept the ten day suspension, and the suspension was given at a time when she was actually doing quite well. Okay. it was about an incident that happened that had allegedly happened previously um before that time
0: but, and uh, what what that tells me though is that she has had she's got a history of difficulties this is a big one that came up yes
2: yes she has had a history of difficulties really um primarily um you know acting out, shouting out, um, usually perceived as being, um, you know, disrespectful or um, defiant. Got it. Um, So those are her
0: behaviors.
2: Yeah.
0: So we have a long history. Can you tell us how old your daughter is now? Are you comfortable telling us that? Yeah, she's 13. 13. So when did her difficulties begin? When did people and you first start saying, you know, there's something different about this kid?
2: Yeah, it was really kindergarten,
0: kindergarten. Um, when,
2: when she started to show some, some issues. Um, we've, you know, she's gone through a couple of schools since then. Her first school, um, it was that was basically, I, I also have a son with, with ADHD and um, had gone through the same kind of things with him. Um, and that's when I came across your books. Um, and actually presented them to his school at that that time, and they implemented those strategies and they worked quite well um by the time my daughter entered that school, they used the same strategies with her, and she did quite well there as well um However, we had to move uh, a couple of years ago and um mm-hmm. at a different school that I've been trying to i guess I've spent probably too long trying to i guess educate them on things that work um and i i i they just i don't know if they just don't seem to understand or, or don't buy it. I really don't know, but um, they've just kind of put put her in this cycle that she's in a situation where she is struggling, and um, they expect things from her that she's not able to accomplish.
0: Right. So I hate to overgeneralize, but it sounds like you moved from schools that were course, I will overgeneralize, but it sounds like you have moved from schools that were fairly enlightened about your daughter's difficulties and fairly open to alternative ways of helping her besides traditional discipline. Right. And it sounds like you've moved to a place that um, is somewhat less enlightened about these things. You'd, You'd know better just how unenlightened and less receptive to alternative ways of going about doing things. Fair to say? Yep. Yep. And so, yes, um, we we could spend time and I wouldn't, talking about the incident and whether a 10-day suspension fixes anything. Um, The answer is no. A 10-day suspension fixes nothing. A 10-day suspension helps us identify no lagging skills. A 10-day suspension helps us identify no unsolved problems, including whatever unsolved problem occurred on the school bus that caused difficulty that we are now learning didn't happen anyways but there may st- there's presumably a still an unsolved problem related to the school bus whether the incident happened or not um but it sounds like the gist of your issue is you have a school that is not on board and is still thinking that a 10 day suspension is a good idea.
2: Right. Have I yeah, boiled it a, down? Yes. They do have a history of punishing um, a lot of behavior, including things that are things she's supposed to re- receive accommodations for, such as um, additional okay. time to complete assignments. So she's received All several right.
0: suspensions for
2: that as well.
0: So they may not even be following her IEP if she has one. That's correct. That's a problem. And yes, it is. <laughs> so I have I have two questions for you. Yep. One is, um, do you is there anybody in the school who you have found who is receptive to the ideas of lagging skills, unsolved problems, and solving those problems collaboratively? Do you have anybody?
2: Unfortunately, not. I've tried. I think it, probably in retrospect, I've probably tried too long. Yeah to get them on board or try to help educate them about this different perspective. And they're very resistant to the idea. And it, it's you know, I I should have probably put the brakes on this a long time ago. Um, you know, I, I I can't really I don't want to get in a situation where I'm also punishing myself. I've I've tried but um but yeah that's that's fair it's a fair assessment. It's just there's really nobody there who who understands and who If you talks. got nobody yeah.
0: and you've been beating your head against the wall for two years, yeah. and you've made very little headway, Right. then um, I don't remember what that uh, slogan is about diminishing returns, but I suppose that if you wanted to continue trying, you could. Yeah, but it but... sounds like you feel like you've given it the old college try, and you're making zero headway. Exactly. So right. often parents sort of have to decide, do, do I want to continue trying in this with with, with the current folks in the school, or would my energies be better spent trying to find a different place where they are right. more receptive?
2: Yes, and that's exactly what we're trying to do now. I mean, the obvious problem is, is economic. So it, it's... um. You know that's, that's the only reason that we've stayed in the same situation.
0: Yeah. And boy, there are so many parents in your situation who would love to be able to go someplace else rather than continue to struggle against folks. You know the the the, the two pieces of what you're telling us that has me being pessimistic are a you've been at it for two years, b and this is the question I usually ask. You don't have anybody. So, so, you know, if 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 you hadn't been at it for 2 years and or if you had somebody in the school who could help you sort of navigate and get this going, I'd be more optimistic. But you've been trying for 2 years and there's nobody in the building or in the system who's going to help you navigate. That's um now if you said to me, but I have no choice, we're looking, but realistically, I'm stuck with these people, then we talk about other potential strategies, perhaps hiring a special education consultant or a mental health professional who could advocate on your behalf um, and at the very least help the school recognize that they do need to honor what's in your child's IEP, and trying to tell you the truth to see if you can get some lagging skills, unsolved problems, and solving problems collaboratively into the IEP, which is a way to memorialize things. I'm a little pessimistic there as well, because from the sounds of it, they aren't even living up to what's memorialized in the current IEP and And I'm so sorry you're in this situation. I'm so sorry so many parents find themselves in this situation um your Your options are lousy do, do you have the potential for another school?
2: Well, I mean, I think the only the only way we would be able to do that is you know if we went the due process route um because really the they just there's no options inside the district um and everything else would would really be cost prohibitive, um, so we're trying to explore options. But obviously, she can't she can't stay. I mean, I think that's a realization we've come to now. It's just she can't stay where she's at because um, it's damaging to her. I mean, she's been mm-hmm. um, home for almost a month now from school, and her entire attitude, demeanor, um, anxiety level has been dramatically improved just getting out of that environment. But the other thing that's come out, just through collaborative problem-solving approaches at home, I've learned, learned more about how she's been bullied um, and, you know, things that have happened at school that have been traumatizing to her. So I guess it was really a wake-up call for me. Um, you know, I wish we could have gotten her out of that school, school sooner. I think that's probably the best advice I'd, I'd give to parents is, do the best you can to put the brakes on early when when there's these kind of problems because um, yeah it's yeah it's um, it's heartbreaking it's difficult
0: it really is I, I mean that's that's the word um, he, um I had another question for you oh no what I was going to say is first of all good for you for maintaining your energy I mean it's been eight years um, for you if this started in kindergarten. And she's now 13. Um, And as with our first caller, our theme of the day, don't take your hands off the wheel. Keep advocating for your daughter. If you want to go the due process route, fantastic. Um, Sounds like a move isn't feasible. But don't take your hands off the wheel. And what you're doing is admirable in your advocacy for your child. Especially admirable, given that you've been at it for eight years already. I
2: appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Thank you for calling in, and I wish I could be more helpful. Um, If there's anything Lives in the Balance can do, even if it's only sending a free care package to the folks at the school, if you think that would be helpful, and it sounds like That may not be helpful, but if you think there's anything Lives in the Balance can do, including that, if you want to exercise that option, just get on the Care Packages page of the Lives in the Balance website and ask us to send one, and we'll do it.
2: All right. I I appreciate that.
0: I wish you the best. Same for your daughter. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Oh, boy. I wish um, there's times when you wish you could do more. Lies in the Balance does the best it can. That mom has uh, my admiration. She's um, hanging in there and advocating for her child, and that's what you got to do. All right, time for some email. Um, I'm probably not going to take any more callers today. Let's see how many emails we can get through, shall we? Dr. Green, we are just implementing your approach and understand Plan B. However, we are having difficulty dealing with the explosions. seems like our daughter's behavior has gotten worse, and is being, she's being more defiant and deliberately doing things to her sister or myself to see our reaction that we didn't see before. As I write this, I realize that you've said she would do well if she could, which makes so much sense to me, but as far as what to do in the moment has been difficult. It helps us to prevent and help her with unsolved problems, but things come up where she has a hard time accepting an answer that is not what she wants. What are your thoughts for when she is very upset and can't take any help? There is no great advice for what to do when she's very upset already. The standard advice, defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe, and then... Then comes the important part. After defusing, de-escalating, and keeping everybody safe is important too, but after you've defused, de-escalated, and kept everybody safe, figure out what set in motion the outburst in the first place so you can solve it proactively the next time before it comes up again. As I always say, once an unsolved problem has come up once, it is not a surprise anymore. Now, if now I'm I'm paying attention to the first three or four words of your message, we are just implementing your approach. I'm going to take that just to mean that you're just getting started. And when you're just getting started, um you only can work on two or three unsolved problems proactively and therefore quite naturally Things are going to come up that you wish you could work on with proactive Plan B but can't yet because if you put too much in Plan B and try to work on too much, both you and your child are going to get overwhelmed. So early on, one of the hard parts is that you're still getting outbursts over things that you're not working on yet. Now, that's one of the things Plan C is for. Plan C is for the things you're not working on right now, but I get it. There are still going to be things that come up that you feel like you can't just let go or table for now. That's plan C, and you've got to say no, which would be, and and impose your will, which would be plan A. Try to figure out what those are. See if they're on your list of unsolved problems. Decide. Maybe you want to revise which unsolved problems you're working on right now. Maybe there's more important ones that are coming up more frequently. That's allowed. Bottom line is, let's get two or three solved so we can turn our attention to the ones that are still setting in motion outbursts with the greatest frequency. But yes, you are in the hard part of just getting started and you can only work on so much in the beginning. Thank goodness you are working on it now. But yeah, this is the hard part. It, the pile of unsolved problems is big. Um, you're not going to be able to solve them all at once. took a while for that pile to pile up. It's going to take a while to get through it, prioritize defuse, de-escalate, keep everybody safe. If it's one you have to impose your will on, pay very close attention to what it is, what unsolved problem set it in motion, because once again, after it happens once, it's not a surprise anymore. I hope that answers your question. We're going to move on to another one. By the way, you'll get notified that um, your question was answered on the program. Here's another one. Uh, Here we go. Uh, Let me go down here. Dr. Green, I've been reading and rereading The Explosive Child to Help My Five-Year-Old, whose explosions, which include hitting me, screaming, breaking things, name-calling, are not triggered by Plan A or Plan B, as you state in your book, his rages are brought on by spilling his food, having a stuck zipper, getting water in his boots. I am struggling with how the Plan B approach can be used to tame the outbursts. I would say solve the problems. Many of these triggers are, are one-offs. Ah, so they can't really be addressed as something that keeps happening. Is it just the exercise of going through with him what the alternative choices he could have made before exploding? such as suggesting he ask for help when he has spilled his food instead of throwing his plate on the floor. It's the anger response I need to tame, and I just can't get plan B to accomplish this. Help. Let's see if I can help. (sighs) We don't love going with vague, unsolved problems. I get the behaviors. Hitting you, not good. Screaming, not good. Breaking things, not good. Name-calling, not good. But the truth is, um, while Plan A does fuel outbursts, because you're imposing your will, it's unsolved problems that really set them in motion. Um, I get that these are one-offs. And complete, if they are one-offs, completely contrary to the advice I gave somebody earlier in the program... On these, I would suggest that you probably try to do Plan B on one of them. I noticed that when you spilled your food the other day, that was hard for you. What's up? It may never happen again, although I think you've got decent odds of spilling food happening again. So it may have been the first time that your child got upset about that one, but it probably won't be the last. Uh, His sticker is going to get, his zipper is going to get stuck again. And he's going to get water in his boots again. So now I'm being consistent with the advice I gave the last emailer. Those aren't surprises anymore. I would do plan B on them. Because I'm very eager for the information, even if they are one-offs, one-timers, and I don't think these are going to be one-timers, but even if they are one-timers, I'm very eager for the information you're going to get about what was so upsetting about spilling food, having a stuck zipper, getting water in his boots. I'm really eager to hear what he says because I think that's going to tell us a lot about him, and I think that's also going to help us predict other circumstances in which he's likely to get upset Even these one-offs may be informative as it relates to future apparent one-offs. Let's find out what he can tell us about what was so upsetting about those, and I think that's going to be extremely informative. And the solution may well be that if he spills his food again, you would be delighted to help. Look at me. I hate talking about what the solution could be because it's really between you and him. But – you guys might be able to come up with a solution for that one, and then you might be able to apply the solution on that one to ones that are not identical in terms of the exact unsolved problem, but come pretty darn close in terms of whether they were surprises, things not going the way he thought they would, um, et cetera. Boy, am I eager for the information you're going to get in the empathy step. And... I got a deal for you. Try to do it this week. And um if you want to call in next week and tell us what you found out, I think that's going to be very useful information to you. Good. Good. Just one second. I'm going to answer one more today at least I'm going to try to. Just a sec. All right. One more. Let's see if I can do this in two minutes or less. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I can do this quickly. Hold on. Let's see how much time I have here. I have two minutes and 42 seconds. I can do it. Hello, Dr. Green. I am ecstatic to have found you. Your books and your website I have devoured both books and listened to a great deal of your webcasts. My 13-year-old son has a diagnosis of Asperger's and has had the police called on him at school and at therapy even. I was truly starting to feel that there was no hope for him. I read your book with tears streaming down my face. I'm both sorry and glad. Someone finally understands what I've been trying to say. As I look through the LSIP, though, I'm finding that I'm checking off nearly every single lagging skill, not an uncommon scenario, and having difficulty pairing them with specific unsolved problems. They seem to fit everywhere. Which one of these overwhelming unsolved problems is most pressing? Um, after much thought, I believe his difficulty handling frustration is probably the most all encompassing problem. It's too vague. I'll continue with the email. One of the biggest issues we have is helping him deal with no better. Too vague. You're going to want to listen to that first caller today. My response to her is going to help. You're only saying no if there's an unsolved problem, but difficulty with no is not the unsolved problem. What you're saying no about is the unsolved problem. Now, let's get more specific. For instance, his whole world is computers and computer programming, but I want and need him to do other things. For example, join the family for dinner, there's an unsolved problem. Do his homework, there's an unsolved problem. When I try to get through the empathy stage, he says it's no problem. I'll just get off the computer. That is not a realistic and mutually satisfactory solution. That was me talking. In other words, he's not relating to the situation from a calm state. I'm trying to point to specific incidents, but he is still not able to share with me his concerns, so we've not truly got past the empathy step. Is it the Asperger's disorder that's preventing us from getting anywhere? I wouldn't bet on that just yet. Or am I not defining the problem concern well enough? There's where I'm putting my money down. Nevertheless, he and I are responding better to one another for the first time in quite a while. Good. I know we don't quite have it down yet, but it already feels different in a most positive direction. Good. Thank you again for your work. I feel hopeful for the first time in a long time. Let's make those unsolved problems more specific. Try it this week. Call in next if you feel like it. Thank you for your email. That's it for today. Talk to you again next week with the Parents Panel. Take care.